0: Hello and welcome to the Materialism Podcast, an exploration of the past, present, and future of material science and engineering. My name is Taylor Sparks. I'm an associate professor and associate chair of material science and engineering at the University of Utah, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusty co-host Andrew Falkowski. How are you doing, Andrew?
1: Uh,
0: it is is still hot.
1: I've been waiting <laughs> forever for the fall weather, but I guess we're not. I guess we're not going to get that. Uh, but I'm doing well. Glad to be
0: here. I'm glad to hear it, man. Yeah, we are in the thick of things. I've got my first midterm tomorrow. We're in the middle of the semester, so it's busy times, but it's kind of fun times. Football's back on. We're teaching in person. Life is pretty good. Now, today we've got a super cool episode. If you remember almost two years ago, can you believe that, Andrew? Crazy. Almost two years ago on episode 12, we did an episode called Recycling and the Science of Separation, I think it was called. And uh, if you remember on that episode, we talked about this giant change that came about when China decided that they didn't want our junk anymore, right? That they weren't going to recycle our junk. And if they were going to recycle it, they wanted it to be a totally different level of purity. And we said at the time that that was changing the game for recycling. And little did we know just how much so. Today, we're sitting down with Cassie Bradley of Ineos Styrolutions. She's, her title there is the Sustainability and Circular Economy Manager. How cool is that? A whole dedicated position towards this concept of making polymers completely reusable. Cassie, thanks for joining us. Nice to have you here.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm sustainability and circular economy manager at Ineo Styrolution so essentially that means I'm the focal point uh, for all of our sustainability initiatives a heavy component of that is our polystyrene recycling initiatives Um, but we of course have many broader activities as well
0: very cool and a bit about yourself you were a a chemi undergrad right at UIUC you went to Dow for a while yeah absolutely A great school for material science. I don't know about chemical engineering, but for material science, they're always top five, like a really, really good school. And uh, you went to Dow, which is one of these mega companies, one of these storied American, you know, phenomenal, you know, chemical enterprises. Um, And I'm curious, what prompted you to switch? What what moved you over to INEOS?
2: Well, I had a great time at Dow. Um, So as I mentioned, I'm from Illinois. I went to college in Illinois. Um, I moved down to Freeport, Texas. So Dow has a huge facility down there and was really exciting to be around a bunch of engineers and chemical industry folks and really uh, just take a swim in the huge chemical complex experience. Um, ultimately, I ended up moving back to Illinois uh, to be a little closer to home. Uh, and I found a position at uh, Ineos Revolution. So I started off originally at Ineos Um, in a production engineering role. So similar to what I was doing at Dow, it's a very uh, in the field experience, think hard hat and steel toed boots type of thing. Uh, So it was very similar to what I'd been doing at Dow. um, And so it was a great fit.
0: So what prompted the switch back over uh, to towards management, right? Because I see that you're doing an MBA now, you're moving into a managerial role. Was that just interest or was there just opportunity or what?
2: A little bit of both. So I had always known that I wanted to go back and get an MBA and move more to the business side. So at heart, I'm really just a curious person. And so that's what prompted me to study engineering is to learn how things worked and was really interested in science. And then ultimately, of course, my curiosity doesn't end with engineering. I wanna learn how the business world works and how markets work. Um, So I always knew I wanted to go back and get an MBA. Um, And of course, Revolution knew I had that interest as well. So when they uh, started the sustainability initiative and founded this new role, so, yep, sustainability and circular economy manager wasn't something that existed before. Uh, So they kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you know a lot about plastics production. Uh, You know, do you want to get into sustainability? And I said, absolutely. It sounds exciting.
0: Yeah, I wonder if I could ask, like, my grandpa, like... If, if this sort of position existed, if he could have even believed it back in the day, like I think it really shows where companies' heads are at in terms of resonating with what consumers want, which is responsible companies interested in sustainability and circular economy. How cool that there is actually positions like that at companies like this. So maybe you could briefly tell us, just summarize briefly, how does the technology work that you guys are trying to go after?
2: So there's not just one type of technology. So um, we have several different projects in the works, Um, one of them is traditional mechanical recycling of polystyrene, for instance, although we also um, have mechanically recycled ABS products available as well, for example. But of course, mechanical recycling is the traditional you take the plastic you chop it up into pieces, you melt it in an extruder and then you reform it into new plastics. Whereas now the technologies that are emerging are under this umbrella called advanced recycling. And there's several different types. Um, One that we are looking at specifically for polystyrene is called depolymerization. So that's where you take the plastic, you probably chop it up as well, and then you use heat to break that polymer back down into its individual monomer molecules. So, in the case of polystyrene, the output from depolymerization is styrene monomer, and that's a liquid. For real. Yeah, and that's then that's easy
0: to do. I, I, thats really surprising. You can actually do that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know uh, if I would say it was—it's easy, but uh, we certainly can do it. Um, sure. And so then that styrene monomer, that's a liquid, is what is the raw material that we use currently for uh, polystyrene production, but also the raw material for. Um, all the specialties, polymer products that we make as well. So we can take that polystyrene and um, make it into new products that are identical to the products made from traditional materials versus, you know, with mechanical recycling, um, that's where you think of like the gray color, or the brown color, because those impurities aren't separated out.
1: So I'm curious, um, I mean, the temperature to melt it down and then re-extrude it, is it What's the difference between that and this temperature to, I guess, break it down into its monomer components?
2: Right. So um, it does require more energy and a higher temperature. So in mechanical recycling, when you chop it up and then you melt it down, um, you're putting in a little bit of heat. And there is some impact that that heat has on the material. So the material properties of mechanically recycled product are slightly different than before you recycled it. Um, and that's where sometimes um, with mechanical recycling, uh, folks will, will tell you that you can only do that so many times, like maybe five to seven times before the properties are so different that it, ca- that it cannot be reused for the same original application again. Uh, whereas with depolymerization, for instance, you're using much more heat, but you're purposefully breaking down those polymer chains, um, well, instead it's surprising of, you can do that. Yeah. So instead of inadvertently, maybe breaking off, um, a couple molecules from the chain at the ends, um, you're actually purposefully breaking it all the way back down into the individual molecules, chemically separating out any impurities. And then you're left with that virgin like raw material.
0: So when you heat something up, right, if you heat it up too hot and there's the presence of air, you're just going to burn it, right? Even if you remove the oxygen, there's a chance that you're just going to pyrolyze it. You're going to break it up into all sorts of tiny gas molecules as opposed to just styrene. What you really want to do is intentionally break it up in such a way that it reforms probably a double bond or or something, which you're going to then use. That's what's present in the monomer anyways. So is that catalyst driven or how on earth do you do that to get specific bonds to reform and break as opposed to the whole thing breaking apart
2: yeah so it'll depend on the different types of technology um i can say there are a few that we work with that don't use a catalyst it's just done with heat
0: just with heat wow super rad all right well i meant that to be a brief introduction but holy cow that was too interesting you've got my attention now um maybe you want to tell us the backstory behind the company or the invention like how long has it been around what's the story there
2: yeah, so um, Ineos Revolution is about 10 years old. We're actually celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. We were founded in 2011. Um, and the assets that we have uh, are much older than that. So they have a history of being uh, bought and sold through the various uh, chemical industry players um, for many decades. But Ineos specifically was founded in 2011. In 2017 is when we first began partnering with these advanced technology partners. Um, so Ineostar revolution will collaborate with um, younger, smaller companies who are developing these technologies, um, and then we'll collaborate together to bring them to market. Um, and so we've, we ha- made our pers- first partnership in 2017. Um, and in addition to de uh, we also have partnerships with some of the different technologies like dissolution, uh, which is taking the plastic and dissolving it in a solvent and then separating out impurities and reprecipitating precipitating that um, back into polymer, um, as well as even some pyrolysis and gasification uh, technologies as well, which uh, are more varied and different, and that's even almost an umbrella yeah. term now at this point.
1: So when you're partnering with these companies, can you maybe talk a little bit about the economic incentive for recycling these polymers? I mean, from my perspective, going through your website, it seems like a lot of these are fairly common uh, or commonly used in industry. What's the advantage to recycling them for a company as opposed to just buying more stock?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, well, NEO star revolution, of course, wants to be a part of, uh, the circular economy future, right? So, um, this is what the market is is asking for. I mean, there's been a huge shift in the plastics market recently. In 2018, the China Sword policy uh, totally changed the way uh, that the waste market, um, you know, disposes of the resins that ultimately we make. And uh, you know, we don't like our products uh, being in the ocean or on the beaches. Um, so it's really in our interest as well as everybody else's interest as well, right? We all share a common goal of a sustainable future, Um, and so we want to be a part of that, and especially with the advanced recycling technologies, chemical processing is our expertise, that's what we're really good at, Uh, so we said, hey, you know, we have the expertise to be able to make a difference here.
0: So tell me where you're at, so this sort of coincided with that change in the China policy on recycling, is this in response to that, or was it not? Are you in sort of the startup phase where you're moving towards profitability, are you already profitable selling products that, you know, are, you know, tell us more about that.
2: Sure. So I think the China sword policy, um, along with just a greater recognition of what happens to our waste after we dispose of it um, in our society. So not only China saying we're not going to take the world's plastic anymore, but everyone becoming aware of um, the fact that China took our waste in the first place or our plastic waste anyway. So I think there's almost a perfect storm of policy uh, China sword being one example um, and also just a general knowledge and concern about the environment. Of course, um, climate change um, is another aspect that um, is not independent of the plastic waste issue. Uh, So there's just a culmination of uh, knowledge and, and concern and, uh, momentum towards finding these types of solutions at this point.
0: Cool. So when I check your website, I see that you obviously use styrofoam and you've mentioned that polystyrene, right? Um, and I saw there are some other ones, ABS, a few other things. Um, are these, why did you pick those polymers? Are they just the most widely used? Are they the easiest to decompose, to depolymerize as you called it? Um, or why?
2: So why did we choose those polymers for recycling specifically? or in Yeah, I, is it just because you had place? the technical
0: know-how to do those ones, or is it because there was just the most opportunity that they're the ones that are easy to come by, you know, waste materials for, easily separated? What, what went into the selection process?
2: Sure. So uh, there are, as you mentioned, a lot of factors. So some of them are The ease of the polymer for recycling so of course plastics are highly engineered materials and uh, they vary widely uh, from staples like polystyrene to, you know, slightly more complex uh, molecules like ABS, and then uh, we have some additional specialties products as well that that are even more um, innovative, and any star evolution got into those polymers because we see a need in the market so uh, you know, we we develop a new product to meet a customer need or a demand. Uh, and it's a similar way in the recycling initiative. So uh, polystyrene, of course, gets a lot of attention because um, it's a staple, staple polymer. It's been around for a long time. Um, it's in a lot of products that we use every day. Uh, and so that's a natural one to start with. And actually, the polystyrene molecule is very... Um, Almost designed for recycling. It's very simple and it's very easy to break apart and to repolymerize back together. So there's not a lot of additional additives or side chains that are grafted onto the polymer chain in the case of polystyrene. So uh, it makes it very simple to break apart and then fuse back together those molecules in the yeah, chain.
0: And the benzene ring is more stable than maybe other things. And so it, maybe it's easier to break the the bond connecting that to the backbone without messing with the benzene ring itself, I suppose.
2: Yes, good point. And so, yeah, that's, that's a natural one for us to start with. And then ABS as well. So ABS is used in a lot of electronic waste, um, which actually... Uh, is collected through, uh, you know, specific programs for electronic waste. Uh, so those are all so- already sorted a little bit, um, and make that waste available to us. And uh, ABS is uh, very well suited to mechanical recycling, hence uh, our innovations in that area.
0: Cool.
1: What sort of losses do you get in the recycling process? I guess, like, what percent of it can actually be recovered from your, I guess, recyclable feedstock?
2: Sure. So um, it will vary by the technology. Um, Some are more efficient than others, and it just depends also on what you put in. So um, if you have very clean feedstock going in, uh, you'll get a higher yield on the outlet. Um, A lot of the advanced recycling technologies can handle uh, higher levels of contamination than a traditional mechanical recycling process. Because again, in mechanical, you're just melting it down and everything gets squished together and then comes out the other side. Uh, whereas with advanced recycling, uh, we do chemically separate those impurities uh, through a chemical type of, of process. So uh, that can handle higher levels of contamination. Um, and, it, and it just depends, you can also There are different types of technology that can handle mixed waste plastic beads. So uh, polystyrene plus different types of polymers um, and then perhaps uh, get a pyrolysis oil or a naphtha fuel out the back end. Um, So it all just depends on what technology you're using um, as far as what yield you're gonna get.
0: So what's changed in the world in the last you 5-10 know, years when it comes to polymer recycling? Is this depolymerization technique new? Is this something you've patented? Is this been around a long time and I'm just ignorant to it? Like, Tell us more about that.
2: Sure. So um, it's been around actually for several decades. Uh, the original patents, I think, uh, maybe... Are from the 60s in terms of depolymerization uh, for polystyrene so it's been around for a while um companies like agilex who's one of our uh technology partners have commercialized that technology um and written their own patents now in the last um 10 years or so uh so i think it's a culmination of, um Some of the policies that we talked about China sword, um, but also the emergence and commercialization of some of these technologies, uh, going from just an idea and a patent to really, um, you know, demo processes that are up and running. Um, In the case of Agilex, they currently have a demo facility in Oregon, near Portland. Uh, So they're just the scale is getting larger and uh, nearer to commercialization to becoming a reality.
0: So do you think a circular economy is actually possible for polymers? Like, are there still going to be some key differences between this and, say, metal recycling, which is pretty broadly possible for different alloys?
2: Definitely, so uh, I do believe a circular economy is possible. We have the tools that we need, and now the challenge is to collaborate across the value chain to develop the infrastructure and policies that align with that goal. So we envision there will be a lot of collaboration from everyone, from private industry, folks such as ourselves and Agilex, uh, to public services and infrastructure to collect and sort and process waste for recycling uh, policy, which supports those goals, um, and even the end consumer, you know, to recycle uh, and throw things in the recycle bin. And um, so definitely all those come together. Um, I think we have the tools to make it a reality.
1: One question that I had is is it sounds like the uh, INEOS is continuing to look at new polymers that they can attempt to, I guess, apply their technologies to or develop new technologies for. What are some of the challenges that you face when looking at a new polymer that you were trying to either depolymerize or, or mechanically process? Sure. So um, I think
2: it... it it's that borderline um, between trying to recover a single material and um, what counts as impurities. So when you're trying to recover styrene monomer, for instance, um, anything else can get separated out as an impurity. So that impurity stream, if you are feeding in specialty polymers that have additional additives going in as part of that, um, it's hard to then separate out those additives to recover those, in addition to the things that really are impurities like spaghetti sauce, you know, or <laughs> cheeseburger uh, residuals or, or things like that. So I think really that's kind of step two. You know, uh, polystyrene is a really um, great goal uh, for us for for step one. Uh, polymers like ABS, you know, that are already uh, able to be yeah. mechanically recycled, um, but I think there's additional innovation that will even happen down the road as these technologies scale up and as we uh, move from just, again, from idea to implementation and then to optimize. I think part of that second phase of optimization is to uh, further improve the technologies to recover additional um aspects and and process new polymers and improve that yield to ultimately uh, realize a circular economy.
0: Uh so maybe along those lines, you know, we've talked about what you're doing right now. Tell me what the holy grail would be, right? If you're going to go after like what would be the next amazing untapped market for recycling polymers.
2: Right. So um I I think uh, that's a dangerous word, holy grail. Uh, So uh, we talk about a lot in sustainability. The more you learn about it, the more you realize that it's so complex, right? There's no silver bullet or single solution to these issues. They're highly complex, and they have a lot of passion and emotion behind them. Uh, However, I think a circular economy itself is the ultimate goal, And as we've discussed, we have the tools to get there. It's important that we use the tools at our disposal and our ability to innovate uh, in order to create the world we wanna live in. So instead of maybe starting with the outdated systems we have and trying to fit our world into those, um, innovation will always come back around and create new materials to replace the ones that we've outlawed. Uh, So those may be even worse for the climate as a whole. So in this way, we'll never Uh, achieve the sustainable systems we need and uh, instead if we look ahead to implement improvements to our system uh, and ultimately get to that circular economy that's the holy grail
0: okay
1: and how aggressive is INEOS in identifying new advances to its technologies or new potential solutions and trying to incorporate them things like advances in the literature or in academia
2: Definitely. So, um, I doubt there's an academic institution or a national lab today that doesn't have some sort of sustainability project or projects underway. Uh, so those uh, researchers are always finding new ways to convert polymers into useful products or optimize uh, the existing solutions as we kind of mentioned earlier. So um, INEOS is always looking for uh, the next, you know, new technology that we can utilize. We have so many different types of specialty polymers that it behooves us to, you know, investigate every single type of technology that's out there. Um, we've partnered with universities around the world to continuously stay on top of these advances. So, for instance, we recently published the results from a project called Resolve, uh, which was in partnership with the University of Bayreuth, uh, and it proved the concept of closed loop, loop recycling. So, certainly, we're uh, involved at every level and always interested to hear and talk about oh, new yeah. exciting so advances.
0: We- we just hired a new faculty this year and it's on polymer upcycling, right? And I just don't think 20 years ago when I was doing my degree that that was even on my mind. It wasn't even on my radar. And now that was determined to be a top priority for our department It's not just a polymers person, but a polymers person dedicated towards converting waste polymers into something useful. So I think you're spot on in saying that the trend is moving that direction. So maybe one final question is, if somebody wanted to get involved or learn more, you know, about this, where should they go?
2: Sure, so I think um, specific to Styrenix and what Ineo is doing, we have a uh, website called uh, styrevolution ecocom uh, okay. So that's a microsite that has some really great videos uh, demonstrating the processes that we've talked about today, um, as well as the new offerings uh, that Ineo revolution has. Um I think uh, you know it's all around us. There's people doing really great things. Closed Loop Partners, for example, um, has some really great projects underway. Um, and they're always, of course, welcome to reach out to Star Starlution.
0: OK, very cool. Well, Cassie, thank you so much for joining us. What a fascinating technology. I love it when I learn something new.
2: Love it. Thank you so much for having me.
0: As always, one of the sponsors of our show is MatMatch, and we're grateful for their patronship of this podcast. When we're talking about recycling, it makes me so glad to know that when I hop over to MatMatch and I type in in their search box, you can select, when I started typing recycling, it immediately prompted recycled content. And when I click that box, what it pulls up is all of their products, which are recycled content. How cool is that? They not only know and understand that this is going to be a circular economy, but they're actually catering to it by helping you as a person who's looking for the next engineering material select just from those that are recycled content. So they've got one that's biological, 314 ceramics, over 300 composites, over 300 glasses, you know, over 20,000 different metals, over 6,000 recycled polymers. So this is not just a few that you you get to pick from. They have quite a few focused on recycled content there. That's the sort of stuff that we get from MatMatch and this website makes it easy to find it. So if you haven't looked them up before, head over to matmatch.com. We think you're really going to like it.
1: The Materialism Podcast is also sponsored by Materials Today. You can visit materialstoday.com to stay up to date on the latest happenings in the material science field and read some of their fantastic articles that they've published. They have several on managing e-waste and they have several on depolymerization, so you should definitely head over there and check them out. You can also head over to Elsevier.com to find more about their journals, books, conferences, and related programs.
0: Okay, and as always, a big thanks to people that make the show possible, our audio people, Colobyte and Alphabot. And if you've got an idea for an episode, reach out to us. Find us on Instagram. That's at materialism.podcast. You can send us an email. That's materialism.podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear your feedback, especially if it's in the form of a review on iTunes. So if you haven't done that yet, slam us a review. Just don't mention how great Jared is at the audio. It gets to his head.
1: Catch you next time.
0: Okay, we'll see you next time.